from Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke, author, speaker, outdoor writer, videographer, podcaster, and a few other things in the outdoor industry. And I'm really excited that you took the opportunity to join our show today and listen. Thank you so much, whether you are streaming or downloading the show, whether it's your first time or you are a repeat listener, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm really excited about today's show. This is the third show in the series, a three-part series that we've been doing on the podcast with uh, myself and Bill Henson in the studio. He came down in early November and we've knocked out three podcasts back-to-back. This is the third of the three, and this one is a really deep one for me. And there are a lot of good hunting stories and everything in it, but I really especially like this podcast because we talked in previous podcasts about buying a new compound bow or buying a used bow and, and those kind of things. In this podcast, we kind of talk about what it is that we is our kind of goal in the outdoor industry and what we want to leave behind for the next generation to follow in our footsteps. And this is one of the reasons why I do a lot of the stuff that I do in the outdoor industry is you never know, as we talk about on the podcast, who is watching. You never know who is watching. There are kids that uh, are just getting into the outdoor world. They may not have a family that uh, hunts or fishes or does anything else in the outdoor world. And uh, they learn from YouTube. They learn from hunting shows and fishing shows that they watch on TV. And uh, that's something that Mac and Prowler and myself and um, just a whole host of folks in the outdoor industry are about is passing on that legacy of um, outdoor you know, heritage and tradition to the next generation. And that's something we talk about in this podcast. Here is my interview with Prowler Bill Henson. Joining me today is Prowler Bill Henson, and um, we're going to be talking about the legacy that we leave behind after we leave this earth, aren't we? Well, that's Mac and Prowler's goal. Yes. Uh, we have We have decided that the hunting industry needs a legacy. What better way to do that than with the video that we're using and the podcast and the Skype and, and the most social media that we use than to leave a legacy about how important it is to train kids. Right. Today, it's politically correct to go in and eat a steak but not worry about where that steak come from. Somebody had to kill that animal. Uh, in the hunting industry, they got where they don't, you don't say you, you killed an animal. You say, I harvested one. But we teach kids to honor and respect, not worship, but honor and respect the animal that you're hunting. Right. Whether it's a, a duck, a deer, a squirrel, a rabbit, whatever the case is, you owe it to yourself and that animal to harvest it in the most humane way possible. In other words, that's an ethical kill shot. That's what it's called. The legacy that we leave behind is going to be, uh, for lack of better words, I guess it's going to be how we teach the kids, how we honor the kids and the animal that we're hunting and the steps and the work that goes into that process. Exactly. And the work that goes into the process after the kill. That's one of the things you don't see on TV. Right. You see somebody harvest a big bull elk, 
you don't see the day's worth of work after that to get that animal off of that mountain. Or the days before, you know, yeah. preparing for that hunt. Well, I had a guy ask me the other excuse me, I had a lady ask me the other day. She's wanting her daughter to go hunting with us, and we've graciously accepted. And so she hunted two days with us, two different sets. We didn't see anything. And the lady was, she said, well, y'all don't know what you're doing. Yes, ma'am, we do. But this is hunting. This is not killing. Right. When you're hunting in the outdoors, you're not going to see, well, let me back up. If you're not on a hunting ranch, you're not going to see animals all the time. You're not going to call them in all the time. In our case, we do a lot of predator hunting. In other words, we hunt bobcats, coyotes, pigs. Uh, we do bow fishing. You know, we're hunting what a lot of people call trash fish. And what we're doing is saving your game one animal at a time, or one predator at a time in our case. Uh, there's been a, a numerous studies done about the effects coyotes and bobcats have on deer. A lot of people say, you know, a coyote can't take down a deer. Well, that's wrong. We've already seen it happen too many times. Actually, seen it and videoed it in certain cases. And and you know, a coyote can kill a turkey. Sure. You know, a turkey got the best eyes of any animal in in that we hunt. Right. Uh, and a coyote can actually uh, they don't succeed all the time in their harvest, but they can actually catch a turkey. Right. Now, you ha- you're teaching your legacy. To in my case, until we started videoing, I would carry my grandkids hunting. On their eighth birthday, they get to go hunt a deer with me, and we hunt until they get one. Did the same thing with my kids and my grandkids. And each one of my grandkids uh, that wanted to hunt, I've got two that don't care a thing about hunting, which is perfectly okay with me. Because I'm not going to pressure them into hunting. But the other two love hunting. So on their eighth birthday, I carry them to a game ranch. They get to see lots of animals. And I explain to them, we're not hunting to kill at that time. We're going to look at animals. And I'm teaching them, what is that? What kind of animal is that? Well, that's a white-tailed deer. What kind of animal is that on this ranch? And they have exotics on this particular ranch we went to. And... uh the guide at that time was Mac, my partner, Randy McMillan. And when it come time to carry the boys hunting, what I told them was when I introduced them again to rent, to Randy, to Mac, and said, okay, uh, let's see if we can find them a deer to shoot. This will be their first deer. And I said, you, talking to my grandson, uh, you have got to do everything that Mr. Randy says do. And so we videotaped that. We videotaped both their hunts, their first rabbit, their first squirrel, their first white-tailed deer, and their first um, red deer. And I would not take for those videos. But in those videos is Mr. Randy sitting there telling those kids about all the animals that they're seeing. They may not see any. Like when my first grandson, we hunted for four days before we, we right. had one that we could actually shoot. 
And this was on a, a high fence ranch. And so we go out duck hunting then, and uh, I'm filming it. I'm calling ducks and trying to get them set in and or come into our set. And uh, the first one that came in, my grandson never raised his gun. Another guy that was with us on on the lease that we was on, uh, turned around, and looked, and he said, "How come you didn't shoot that duck?" He said, uh, we're going to leave that one out there and see if he can draw in some more. <laughs> Boy was nine years old. Wow. The man looked at me kind of funny, and he said, uh, where did he get that from? I said, from me. What I'm trying to teach him is look at the beauty of this animal. In this, in this case, it was a duck. Watch how he flies. Watch how he lands. Watch how he cups those wings. He's coming in. He's, there his brakes. He's putting on his brakes when he's got those wings cupped. He's flared that breast out at you. Watch that before you ever shoot one. Are they coming straight in? They're coming in from the side. How are they landing? Where are they landing? They're going to land into the wind. A duck most always does that. So you want to set your decoys up according to the wind. And... My grandson at that time was nine years old, and uh, the other guy that was on the lease, he had his grandson there, and but he didn't have a gun. And so he got to sit and watch us as we harvested a limit of ducks. But to this day, my grandson still de- looks and talks about, and my grandson now is 21, 22 years old, 22, and... Uh, he, he still remembers that first duck come in. He watched how it cupped its wings, how it, how it caressed the air, how it started putting on the brakes, then how its feet came out from under him and, and just skidded on the water, and he sat down in the water. Right. He still remembers that. He does not remember the first duck that he shot, <laughs> but he remembers that. That's a great memory, too. Yeah. And so uh, he has been taught now to respect that animal, the beauty that God put on this in this great earth of ours, and we get to hunt them. Sure. And we went duck hunting one time, and we never fired a shot. Never fired a shot. And we had prob- you know, probably six or seven ducks is all we had come in. We just sat and watched them. And he said, you know, this is something. They are so pretty. Mm-hmm. I said, yep, they sure are, and they're good to eat. So the next time we go out there, there was a lot of ducks on this place, and we both shot our limit. And it was a good day. And my grandson said, you're creating a legacy, Papa." And it, it kind of stuck with me then. How important is the legacy that we're leaving? Are we showing that we're just out to kill animals? Just We see, oh, there's a deer, boom, shoot. No, watch that deer. Watch his reaction. My brother and I have sat for hours and many, many, multiple hours and watch a doe, one doe. She had two fawns. Just fascinating, right? We watched her movements, and it was fascinating. When she's going to put her head down? What does she do? When's she going to raise her head? 
What she do before she raises her head? What does she do before she moves? She always kept looking back. So we said, there's another deer out there. But after she had been there at this time for about an hour, two little fawns got up. They were laying out there in the field. We couldn't even see them. Hmm. Grass was taller than they were. And two little spotty fawns got up and went over and started nursing. And I told my brother, I said, I'd give anything if I had a video camera now. Oh, sure. I own a video production company, but I didn't have a camera. <laughs> the irony. Yeah. Uh, but that was something that he and I have talked about several times since. Sure. And we have found that it has helped us immensely when we're stalking an animal to know, when's that deer going to raise his head? He's down eating. When can I move? When's he going to put his head back down and start eating? And we can tell by the body posture and how he flicks his tail, or she. Uh, normally, we don't stock up on does, but uh, a buck does the exact same thing. Right. When they're eating. Now, totally different when they're in the rut. But the legacy that we leave behind is, are we going out to just kill something? Or are we going out to learn the beauty of it? To harvest this animal, what are we doing? Are we feeding our family? Are we saving other deer? Like, for instance, uh, coyotes in, in our neck of the woods is very detrimental to the deer population. Right. Many a study has been done on this, and it's mainly to the fawns. But what do we teach our kids? Do we teach them to respect the law of the land? Very important. Sure. Uh, before, I, if I go out hunting predators at night, I call the game warden. In Texas, that's where I live, is in Texas. It's legal to hunt 24-7 for predators, 365 days a year. Right. Well, you go out and shoot a high-powered rifle or a shotgun at night, that sound travels a long ways. And somebody hear that gun go off, they go, hey, somebody's over here spotlighting or something. You Poaching know? or something. Yeah. Right. And what we do is we call the game warden before we ever leave to go hunting. And we tell him, hey, we're going to be on the rice farm. We're going to be at... Uh, brown place, wherever, and we're going to be hunting coyotes. Do you want to go with us? You want to join us for a hunt? And uh, we ask that question every time. What we're doing is teaching the kids and the adults that's with us that we're going to do everything legal. Every right. law that we know of is going to be adhered to. We're not going to do anything illegal. We have people that have cows. I'm talking about very expensive cows. They're show cows, breed uh, white face, and they cost a lot of money. Right. And this guy calls and said, come up here and hunt them. Hunt the coyotes because they're getting my calves. And uh, I said, well, the best time to hunt them is going to be at night, at this particular time of the year, at night. We'll come up here and hunt in the daytime. He said, no, hunt at night. Just don't shoot my cows. I said, right. don't worry. We, we, we won't take a shot that's unethical. We're going to know where the cows are at. Generally speaking, we're not going to hunt at night where cows are at because you could have one walk in up close and you don't know it. Right. So, therefore, if there's any cows, we just about won't hunt at night unless the landowner tells us we've got to start killing some of those animals, which is one of the things that we do. We try to thin and thin out the coyotes and the bobcats to save the deer, the white-tailed deer around here in, in northeast Texas. And also uh, people's sheep, 
their goats, their cows, their horses. Uh, we got one guy that called us the other day, and he's got 40 sheep. Well, those sheep are his babies, but guess who's getting them? The coyotes. Right. So we go out there at night, and we hunt them. After the first kill, after that, we haven't seen, or he hadn't seen a coyote for several several months. So I carry uh, another young person with me and his dad, and we go out and set up, and we hunt. The coyote comes in, and we're using red lights, and we spot him at about 200 yards out. Uh, I shoot him with a shotgun at about 30 yards. He's right by the call. And... Uh, but before we do all of that, I'm explaining to this young man what we're doing and why. We're not just going out to shoot. We're going out to help harvest an animal that is taking this man's livestock. He's lost three sheep, which is, I don't know how much money, but it's more money than it he has to up. lose. Yeah, it adds up. Well, we're teaching that kid a legacy. We're leaving a legacy with him as to why we're doing this. When we hunt predators on just, we just go out predator hunting, we're trying to help save our deer herd mm -hmm. because they are rough on deer. And so are bobcats. And uh, a lot of people think a bobcat can't take a deer down, but I can tell you right now, they can. Right. Uh, we found several deer. When, when Mac was on the, uh, he was running a high fence ranch at one time. He was managing it. And we found a deer that was covered up with leaves and stuff. That's a typical sign of a cat. Right. In our neck of the woods, there's there might be a mountain lion or two, but there's not many. These are just bobcats. This particular bobcat was a big one. He was huge. Had a paw print the size of my fist. My goodness. And uh, we never did get him because he left the country, I guess. I don't know. But I know that what we have to teach, what we learned from that is to stay well away from that carcass. He's going to come back to it. Eventually. Yeah, eventually. But well, we set up on that carcass for two or three nights. And a bobcat does not use their nose. Very seldom. They'll come in downwind from you and act like you're not even there. A coyote, on the other hand, his nose is his first line of defense. Hard to fool a coyote's nose, yeah. You can't. Right. I found no way you can do it. I've used every scent, every scent color cover, everything I find. Wash your clothes and this descent stuff. Do everything you know. And this one particular time was one of the times that we had done everything we needed to do, and there was three of us. We walked across this field, and there was a dead cow out there. Coyotes had killed it. And at that particular time, there weren't any coyotes on it. We walked across this field, and the best place to get was up on the ridge, so we walk across the field, up the ridge, and we're all scent-free, boots, clothes, everything. And we spray down with all of these scents that everybody says, you know, works. Three coyotes came out of the woods. They went straight to that carcass and started eating on it. We started calling them. They didn't pay us any attention whatsoever to that call. After about five minutes, all three of those coyotes just cowered down. You know, ooh. Right. Well, here come a big coyote out. Like the dominant. He was the alpha male. He alpha was male, dominant. Right, that's what I mean to say, right. 
he comes loping across that field. He's coming to the call. He ain't going to that carcass. I said, he's coming right to us. When he gets to the, and he's loping. Now, he's loping pretty fast. He gets to the spot where we walk across the field. He throwed on the brakes and just froze. Turned his head twice and turned around and ran right back the same way he come. Hmm. He smelt us. He smelt where we had been. Right. Three hours before. And we were as scent free as we could be. You know, carry your clothes in the plastic bag with uh, this scent killer stuff in there. And all, as it's been washed with scent killer stuff. We haven't worn it. We carry it out there, put it on, and walk across the field with rubber boots on. And he smelt it. <laughs> Just about every possible scent. Uh, scent Everything we could take. do. Yeah. So uh, about a month or two after that, I was I had a had a job to do a video shoot to do at a wedding. Well, I dress up, put on my cologne and all this stuff. Well, Matt called me and he said, "Hey, I'm free tonight. Let's go see if we can shoot a coyote." I said, "Okay." So I just go in, just throw on my hunting clothes and take off. I still got the cologne on. Oh my! We killed a coyote that night and a bobcat. Uh, the coyote was like maybe thirty yards from us. Huh. Bobcat wasn't that far. What was the difference? The wind. How we walked in, we walked in, downwind, and we set up, and the wind's blowing from them to us. They didn't cross our path, and they couldn't smell us, even though I was wearing cologne. Because Randy said, man, I can smell. <laughs> he said, what are you, what do you got on? But, all right. You take that and you transfer it to, to to the kids now. This is another legacy that we're leaving behind. If you're hunting a bobcat, scent's not that important. But you can't move and you need to be camouflaged. Right. You're hunting a coyote, scent is everything. And you need to be camouflaged. But if you move, he's going to see you move. Uh, if he is... If you have a decoy set out there that's got his attention, you can move a lot and he won't see it. If you have a decoy dog, sometimes they don't even pay you any attention at all. All they're looking at is that dog. Yeah. And we've seen that on video before, haven't oh, we? Oh, yeah, lots of times. Lots, lots of times. Of times. Where the, the Another dog, good yeah. scenario is uh, Flight of the Bullet. Okay? Right. We're, we're out there filming and hunting, and there's seven or eight coyotes. We done shot one and missed one. Here come seven or eight more coyotes out later on. The sun is just coming up. These other two we shot before the sun came up. The sun's coming up and it's casting a long shadow out toward the coyotes. We're in the shadows. One of the guys, the shooter, he said, uh, I got to move around, but I'm afraid to move. Matt turned and looked at him. He can't see us. Do whatever you want to. <laughs> He's looking directly into the sun. This is a black hole to him. So he turned around, got ready, shot, killed a coyote. Yeah, and that's where we filmed Flight of the Bullet. And that video you can see on the uh, Coyote section of the Mac and Prowler website, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a great video. And uh, uh, we've had several great moments. Uh, what legacy do we leave behind? Do we teach our kids to follow the law? Do we teach our kids to honor the animal that they're hunting? And do we teach our kids to be safe with a gun? Do we teach our 
kids are, and I say kids, but what about your fellow, your, your buddy, like me and you? Right. All right. We're good friends. If I see you doing something wrong, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to call me out on it. Exactly. Right. Which it's not which anything against you. Right. But, hey, that's unsafe. I had Mac do me the same way. He, hey, point that gun the other way, boy. What's the matter with you? <laughs> sure. And that's a serious And I'm thing. sitting there looking. I didn't know he'd walked around in front of the right. uh, vehicle. And, uh, you know, I was carrying the gun unsafe. And I appreciate that because we can't afford any accidents. We've actually, I've actually seen him shut down a hunt, a paid hunt, because the person was unsafe. We've had people go duck hunting with us that are not allowed to go with us anymore because they're unsafe. Right. Big about safety. You don't get a second chance with a gun. No. Can't call that shot back. So, that's therefore, there's another legacy that we're leaving behind. How do you handle that weapon? That thing can kill your neighbor, can kill your friend, can kill you. You have got to be safe. You don't get a second chance with that. No. Uh, when my brother was in the seventh grade, it's many years ago now, he, he and I both had 20-gauge pump shotguns. And we're hunting deer with buckshot. And he had seen a deer, and he mashed his safety off. Nothing. It was just a doe. A buck didn't show up. We go back and we meet three hours later. We're still out in the woods about five miles from my closest road. And it's me and him and my cousin, well, two cousins, really. There was four of us standing there. I never paid any attention. I'm probably, I was a freshman in high school. He was in seventh grade. All of a sudden, boom. We just hear a, a loud boom. That's all it was. And my brother starts jumping around on one foot going, Pee-wee, you shot me. You shot me. Oh, my. Well, what he had done, unknowingly, unthinking, he set the end of that barrel on his foot of his shotgun. When we was getting ready to leave, he reached down to pick it up, and he picked it up by the trigger. By the trigger. Oh, my goodness. Two things wrong there. A full load of number four buckshot went through his foot. Right. Practically blowed his foot off from at the front of the toes, behind the toes, I mean. And uh, two things he did wrong. One, the gun was loaded. Three things he did wrong. Two, safety was off. Three, his finger was on the trigger. Yes. Four, he had it sitting on his foot. Yeah. I mean, you could just keep going. I right. mean, the list just right. keeps, it's just keep expounding. It's bigger and bigger. So what does he preach now? Safety, Gun safety, safety. safety. Yeah, Gun much. safety. And he he takes his shoe off every now and then, his, and his sock, and he'll show my grandkids, his grandkids, that's what happens when you're not safe. When you're not safe, yeah. And, and it, there's so many teachable moments like that, which yeah. I think is kind of part of leaving the legacy, is there are teachable moments everywhere in the outdoors that we can find that we can leave with peers or we can leave with people who are, you know, um, new to the sport or kids or whatever the case may be. Well, we'll go out sometimes and watch squirrels. I carry a video camera with me when we go now. And uh, my my grandson, the youngest one, he, he's gone with me before, and we'll just sit and watch squirrels. I said, what's he doing? 
uh, I don't know. I said, well, he's running out on that limb to do something. Right. What do you think he's doing? I said, if you don't know, pick up the binoculars and watch him. You'd be surprised if people don't understand what a squirrel is doing when he goes out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's looking for something to eat. That's all they do. They eat, sleep, make baby squirrels. That's all they do. That's it. <laughs> and uh, But it's fun to watch them because you can learn when he goes on alert, when a squirrel starts barking, it's, why is he barking? What's he barking at? Where's he looking at? What does he see? Well, this particular time, this squirrel was running out of limb, and my grandson's sitting there watching him. He's uh, probably 10 years old at the time. I don't remember the age, but he's pretty young. He's sitting there watching him. He said, well, he's getting him some acorns acorns or whatever you want to call them <laughs> and uh, about that time he stopped boy and he jumped up stood up and he laid down flat on the limb and all of a sudden he jumped up again <laughs> he started barking boy he just started whistling and carrying on and he said he's he's not even looking at us he's looking the other way i was with something coming in the woods that he saw he don't like right a few seconds later an owl flew up and lit in that tree. Boy, that squirrel bailed out the end of that limb. And it's probably a good thing because the owl was trying to get him. Uh-huh. The owl took off after him and just missed him. You notice that in my office. This is great for podcasting, but there's an owl with a squirrel in its, uh, in its yeah. claws. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's my grandfather's. Yeah. So, anyway, that's just that, that this seems related to this. <laughs> what is that's, that's part of the legacy that we left behind. That right. is a natural thing. Uh, in nature, you don't want to upset the apple cart. Sure. Hunters do more for the animals in the wild than anybody else. Uh, the the part of their and this is something else that I'm teaching my grandkids and my I taught my kids, and that money that you pay for that license, it helps support what the government does or what the state does to. Uh, regulate the deer population right. or the squirrel population or whatever it is you're hunting. But all of, you know, part of that money goes toward the state and it helps promote this. So get you a hunting license. Uh, I went through a period of time when I moved to Texas from Louisiana that I didn't hunt. I just fished. Uh, I didn't have a lease. Couldn't find one that I could afford at the time. And but I bought a hunting license every year, but I, but I didn't hunt for five years. Hmm. And my wife asked at that time. She asked me. She said, "Why are you buying a hunting license? You never go hunting." I said, "Well, this is to help support the state to take care of the game because one of these days I'm gonna find me a lease that I can afford. Because when I come from Louisiana, there was no you didn't pay." hunt on lease you just went to somebody's land hey can i hunt on your land yeah go ahead right when texas is not that way no this was back in 19 early 70s right and so i had to learn that if i wanted to hunt i got to find a lease to get on or know somebody's got land that would allow me to hunt and so i finally got on the lease and i stayed on it for 20 something years i'm not on it now because they've changed ownership the guy who had the land sold it and he don't want anybody hunting on it that's perfectly okay. That's his land. He can do whatever he wants right, to. Right. Uh, but that is another legacy that we left behind for our kids and grandkids because they know that I bought license even though I didn't hunt. Yes. 
very conservation minded, which, you know, I think that outdoors people, sportsmen are some of the best conservation, you know, people in the industry because, you know, we advocate for, you know, more having, having a future, you yeah. know, for the next generation by, by purchasing licenses and, and everything that, you know, the nonprofits that are part of it and that kind of thing. Well, the, another legacy that we leave behind is that we teach our siblings and our kids and friends and everything else a respect for the law. There is a consequence. If you break a law, there is a consequence that you will pay if you get caught. Right. I'm going to tell a, a real short story that is dear to my heart. My son went out when he was like 16 years old, 17 years old. He was living in Louisiana. I was divorced at the time. And he drank a couple of beers. And he got pulled over. And they arrest him for DWI, driving while wow. intoxicated. That record stayed with him for several, several, several years. Goodness. And he knew my stance on it now this is where mamas and daddies don't really get along sometimes mm -hmm. but he called me want me to get him out of jail and the hardest thing i ever did in my life was tell him you was man enough to get in there wouldn't you he said yes sir i sure was i said well then you ought to be man enough to get out and to this day he would tell you that is the best earned lesson he ever learned in his life he said because when they slam them bars shut on that jail door your world changes you're stone cold sober all of a sudden yes know? and he said i don't know that i could do my kids that way and then i mean most people say i don't know i could do my kids that way that's the hardest thing i ever did in my life sure sure it is yeah and you know what he told his kids the very same thing he said, if you go out and you drink, you could kill somebody or kill yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're going to drink, you do it right here at my house. But if you get picked up drinking, you're on your own. That was the legacy you passed on to him. Yep. I, I could almost cry right now just thinking about it because sure. of the feeling that I had. I lay there in that bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and bawled like a baby. Oh, I'm sure. I would too. Uh but that was a hard lesson to learn, and oh man, uh, I caught rip from everybody for that. But my son will tell you to this day, it changed his life. It turned his whole life around. That's what he says. He swears by it. Uh, I'm not saying that everybody could do that or should do it, but that's what I did because I I was not living with him at the time. He was living with his mother. They were living in Louisiana, and his grandmother, and you know he running wild. Because he didn't have that father figure that would uh, keep him straight. Because that's one of the things he said when he left the house to move in with his mom. He said, well, at least I get to go wild again. Yeah. And there are a lot of kids where that's the case these days. They don't realize that there's a cost to pay. Mm -hmm. for your Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. If you're going to do good, you, you get a good report. You get good people to that like you, that will help you. Every bad reaction gets the, op gets the same reaction that you give out. 
Like if you're going to get in a fight every time you turn around, they're going to say, oh, that, that boy there, wow. Or if you're going to do drugs and that kind of stuff, people know. Today, society don't think a thing about doing drugs. I'm 64 years old. I've never done a drug in my life. I used to drink a lot. Don't drink anymore. Very sad. I may drink a beer every 1,500 moons or something like right, that, but right. you know that's about it. And I make sure that everything that I do, I'm doing legally and yeah. safely. Uh, that is another legacy that I'm leaving behind. Because somebody's always watching. Somebody is always watching. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Well, you and I think a lot alike we on do. some of these on some of these things. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is, whatever you teach your children is going to be your legacy. Mm-hmm. Whatever you teach your grandchildren is going to be your legacy. Teach them the Bible. Teach them the law of the land, which we have to obey. Right. You know, my my son asked me one time. He said, "Papa, why, Papa, Daddy, why are you laughing about paying taxes?" I said, "I'm tickled that we're making enough money to pay these taxes." Right. But I said, "I'm obligated by law to pay these taxes, so I have to pay them." And he said, "Well, I've never seen anybody laugh before." I said, "Well, I'm thankful that our business is doing good enough that we can pay." for these taxes that we have to pay. I just hope and pray that they use the money wisely. Right. That's I can't all you can con- do. I can't control what they do. Right. I have to do what is right. Exactly. So is that the legacy we're leaving behind? Are you leaving behind the legacy that you need to honor the, the policeman out there in blue that's trying to, to do what's right and protect, protect you? Protect us, right. And protect me? Or are you calling him... Uh, Words that I can't even say on the podcast. Right. I had I saw a, a friend of mine. His wife told his kids, "You either straighten up, or I'm gonna uh, something about going. Oh, I'm gonna carry you to the doctor and let him give you a shot." She was teaching him to fear the doctor, right. in my opinion. Right. And I've seen that same lady saying, "If you don't straighten up, I'm gonna call the police on you." Then you have a fear complex with fear the police. Fear complex with right. the police. Right. The police are there to help you. When I see a policeman in a restaurant, I'm going to try to buy his dinner. Right. And thank him for what he's done. Same thing with the military. I honor them as much as I possibly can. Uh, in my business, if, if someone from the police or fire department or EMS or a military background and they come in, uh, they automatically get a 10% discount. Right there, right on the spot, just because of what they do and what they stand for. That's great. All of the people are not perfect. All of the police are not perfect. All the military is not. I'm not. You're not. But we strive to be the best that we can be. That's the legacy I want to leave behind. Honor your brother. Honor your sister. Honor God. If you put God first, everything else will fall in place. Well, as we talked about before on other podcasts you and I have done together, you know, the bumper sticker that I always, you know, I'm tickled by is kids that uh, hunt and fish don't steal and deal, typically, you yeah. know. Um, and that's something that's nice about the outdoors that we enjoy is that, you know, getting kids involved and active in things that are going to be of, um, you know, uh, of, of structure and things are going to be of... Um, 
importance and, and the things that are going to keep them active and keep them, you know, uh, satiated in the outdoors, they won't look anywhere else for other things. You don't look for drugs and alcohol. They don't look for right. trouble, you know, and well, trouble... we got in enough trouble when I was a kid growing up, but it wasn't, it wasn't the, uh, the drugs and that kind of stuff. Right. You know, uh, I thank God for my family, for my raising my mom and my dad. Well, my, my nephews tell me we live to leave it to beaver life. <laughs> That's good. Because the, the most fun we have is when we, my dad would take a vacation and we'd go put out trot lines or we'd go hunting down on the lease. Well, it wasn't a lease, but on what we called Evergreen. And now my nephew lives down there on Evergreen. And he, he kills some awesome deer. But he is. Uh, we're dedicated also to the legacy of leaving yourself fit to do the job that you're going to do uh if you're going to hunt in the mountains you need to be fit you can't go up there and weigh 300 pounds i mean you can but you're not going to be very good at it right so try to be the best that you can be honor god honor the family honor honor your fellow brother and sister that's the legacy we won't leave behind and always remember that every day, whether you know it or not, you're creating that legacy. That's right, because somebody's always watching. Somebody's always watching. Well, this podcast is one that I've been meaning to get out for a long time, at least the last couple of weeks. I've been It's been on my list and agenda to get done, but uh, I'm glad to finally get it out there. I wanted to have this release right before Christmas, but this is going to fall about the uh, middle between Christmas and New Year's. So Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year's to you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and listening to our show. These last several months that we've been doing podcasts, we're coming up on about a year in May that we've started the podcast and uh, I'm just thrilled to have the chance to share this with you. I really am. And um, I just want to thank you so much for checking us out and tuning, tuning into our show. If you haven't had a chance, please head over to iTunes or wherever you found this podcast and leave a review of what you thought about the show. That would mean a lot to me and all the folks that are involved with producing this show. We also have our first show sponsor, which I'm really excited about announcing today, and that is Gorillo. That's G-A-R-I-L-O, Gorillo.com. You can also find them on social media at Shop Gorillo. That's at Shop Gorillo. And uh, you can use a coupon code that they've offered to my show listeners and other folks that are connected with me through social media or my website or however you find me. And that is a 10% off coupon of your whole order. That's 10% off your whole order. And the coupon code is DWARN10X. That's DWARN10X. And that'll give you 10% off of your whole order over at Gorillo. Gorillo has simply the best prices on hunting, fishing, and camping gear. They also carry boating gear. I've been buying stuff off of their left and right, and I love it. So I think you'll like it as well. Also, I'd like to apologize if I seem a little stopped up on this podcast. I'm getting a uh, cold of some kind, and it is cold and flu season here in Texas, as I know it is probably wherever you are as well. So I apologize for that if I seem a little congested or... Um, stuffy nose or anything like that um, that's what's going on there thank you so much for tuning into the show again and uh, for connecting with us you can find more information about myself at dustinsprojects.com you can also plug in all the articles that i've written the blog post the podcast all kinds of different things you can plug in over there at dustinsprojects.com also if you want to learn more about mac and prowler or watch some of our hunting shows and some of the things that i'm featured in on mac and prowler you can also head on over to mac and that's m-a-c 
A-N-D-P-R-O-W-L-E-R, MacNProwler.com. And you can check out all of our awesome content that we have on that website. Thank you so much again for tuning in and checking out our show. And have an awesome day in the outdoors. Mm-hmm.